Good evening and welcome to our evening service. It's been a wonderful day, I think. Been blessed. And uh, just want to thank the, I guess, we'll call the Brian Helping Hands, who worked to make that a success. Uh, I thought a very successful luncheon today. Uh, we've appreciated your help. And of course, we say that without the helping hands, we couldn't do these things. But there you are, always ready to, to meet the needs, and we thank you for that. Uh, again, we welcome Pastor Osmond Jerome with us this evening. He and the family uh, were here this morning, again this evening, and uh, we're so thankful that they were able to be here for our 87th anniversary. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we bow in your presence, acknowledging your greatness and that you are Lord of Lords, and just King of Kings. Lord, we we thank you again for your faithfulness towards us, the, the church. It is your work. And Lord, we have looked back and been thankful. And Lord, for what you have done. But Lord, we look ahead. Oh, how we need you, Lord, to guide us, to direct our path uh, as we would desire to be a lighthouse in this city. Again, we pray for the need for a pastor, Lord. You know our needs, and we know that you are preparing that person even now. So as we meet tonight, Lord, we thank you and praise you for the privilege we have of gathering together around your word. Lord, it is your word, and how we pray that you would awaken our hearts to it, Lord, that we might leave this place, Lord, better equipped to face uh, this world, the needs that are there. We need thee every hour, Lord. Help us, we pray. Lord, we just again pray for uh, Pastor Jerome, that you would be with him as he opens the word to us. We thank you that he is able to be with us this evening. Bless now, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor Jerome to come now and lead us in the reading of the scripture and in prayer, if you would, please. Good evening. Okay, I guess we'll get now. <laughs> um, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to First Timothy chapter four, and we'll read the whole chapter, and uh, it will also be the text on which we will uh, meditate uh, this evening. First uh, Timothy chapter four. First Timothy four. This is the word of the Lord. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience snared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which we, we believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing, to be re, and, and nothing to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of, the, of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, and therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. 
These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of believers, of the believers, sorry, in words, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the prophecy of the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy, prophet, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them who hear thee. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the ministry of your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can meditate on it, that it is life. Those are not idle words. Those are words of life, and we thank you for that. We pray, uh, dear Father, and we thank you for this evening worship service. We thank you, uh, Father, for uh, your Son, again, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. We thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate your, the table this evening. I pray that even now we may begin to examine our hearts, Lord, that we may confess our sins, and we may uh, prepare our minds and our hearts, Lord, to receive of the Lord's table to discern the blood of Christ, to discern his body that was broken for us, and to anticipate the second coming um, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, help us also to uh, have sweet fellowship with one another. May our worship be acceptable in your sight. Um, Thank you, Father, again for uh, this evening. Thank you for being with us. And may your name be praised, magnified, and lifted high. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome, Pastor Jerome. Uh, this evening, and I asked him if he would take a bit of time just to tell us a little bit about uh, the seminary, what goes on there now, an update, you might say. So, if you would. Well, everything can be found online nowadays. So, um, I will start by giving you the website uh, <laughs> tbs.edu. If you do that, you will um, you'll find important updates as to the programs that we that we gave, we're actually working on um, being able to provide a doctor of ministry. Uh, so that's taken quite a while because of the, the government and, and stuff like that. So pray, if you could pray that um, this program may go through. And, uh, but we, we are, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't prepared to do anything more with more TBS, so I gotta, I gotta gather all my information right now. So we basically, the, the, the Toronto Baptist Seminary, we try to, um, do a number of things, um, train people, not just for pastoral ministry, but just to know the Word of God. Um, um, oftentimes people think that going to seminary is about uh, becoming a pastor. So anyone, someone, anytime someone says, I'm going to seminary, they say, oh, you want to be a pastor. And uh, no, it's not just to be, become a pastor. Is, um, there are a number of things that you can do by bec- in going to seminary. You can become a missionary. You can be an elder at your church. You can uh, do a number of things. Or you can just Learn more about God and, and strengthen your faith. So there's one-year diploma, two-year diplomas. There's um, um, undergrad, and uh, for those who want to be pastors, MDiv. Um, and then you can go further um, as well. So um, anyone who's interested in, interested in studying God's Word, knowing God better, um, and knowing how to interpret the Word better, um, seminary is for you. And it doesn't matter how old you are. When I went to seminary, I was 29, and I thought, man, I was old. And there was a student there who was like 57. <laughs> Um, this year we actually have a student who is probably in his 70s. Um, and he's just there to learn God's word and was one of my students. And it's just wonderful. 
Um, we want to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's no age to come to seminary. If you, um, but if you if you do feel a sense of God's calling of your life, and that doesn't mean you know this divine, powerful inner movement of the Spirit in you that says go to seminary. It's just a desire to study God's word, a desire to serve the Lord, a desire to be useful in the church. Uh, well, it would be helpful for you to um, consider theological training. Um, when I when I, when I decided to go to seminary, it was not because I thought I, I was going to become a pastor. Um, I just wanted to know God's word more, better. And I came to Canada, I said, I'm going to give it one year, and I'll see what happens. And then one year turned into two years, and, and turned into finding a, you know, and then here I am. <laughs> uh, so um, we, I would encourage you to consider that. We have correspondent courses as well. Um, and we do have, I know it's a long, it's a long way down to, to TBS, but uh, we do have open house. And if someone is really interested to come at TBS and just spend a day uh, for free studying, um, listening to the teachers, you can study Greek for one day, um, homiletics for one day, whatever, whatever the, the, the course that we're teaching that, that day, you just sit on and listen to what the teacher is, has to teach and, um, and there will be information and then you will be, um, able to make a, make a, inform idea of what, what, what you want to do. We also have a conference in the fall. It's called the Bowman Lecture. And um, so if, um, if I'm talking to Pastor Real, and we can probably put the church on our mailing list so that you guys get, can get information about what's going on. And um, that, might be, that might be maybe useful um, in, in the future. I'm hoping, I'm hoping and praying that we might be able to send a group of students in the fall, sometime in the fall, um, just so you guys have a better idea of what the seminary is doing, and um, I'm, I'm there to teach nothing. <laughs> um, but I, it's been really a joy for me to to teach there and to to be part of the what God is doing is doing there. So, if you have any question, you can ask me as well after the service. I'll be great um, to answer those. Um, the motto of the seminary is theological education that transforms. Theological education that transforms, and I think it goes well with uh, the sermon for this evening: watchfulness and the Christian life. And Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Um, and so this evening I want to talk on the topic of watchfulness. Uh, it is an important theme in both the Old Testament and New Testament. There are many terms in the Old Testament and the New Testament that speaks about watchfulness. 78 in the Old Testament 37 uh, in the New Testament. Uh, you know the uh, parable of the watchman um, in Ezekiel who looks and protects the city. Um, Jesus, when he was faced with the cross, when he was praying and his, his disciples were sleeping, he said, watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. Um, when Jesus was asked about the destruction of the temple and his second coming, uh, his first word is, be careful, watch that no one deceives you. Um, the word can mean to be, to be alert. It can mean to pay close attention. That is to use your mind or to fix your mind upon something. It, it could also mean to hold firmly to something, particularly truth, to hold firmly to the truth. It could mean to keep guard. Uh, you remember when Jesus Christ was buried uh, in the grave and they, they put guards in front of the tomb to make sure that the Jews did not come uh, to snatch away his body. Well, that did not work <laughs> because he rose triumphantly from the grave. <laughs> and, uh, but that was the idea that the soldiers were placed in front of the tomb to keep watch. Um, 
to pay attention uh, to our lives and our doctrine is important. Um, we pay close attention to many things. We pay close attention to our health. We watch what we eat. Uh, we watch how much we exercise. Uh, we go to the doctor. I'm hoping to go to the doctor this, um, this spring or for summer now, I guess. Um, we watch our finances. Uh, we check our balance to make sure that we don't overspend. We track our spending. There are even apps that are designed to do that. Um, I discovered in Canada when I came here in 2004 to study that you have to watch the weather all the time <laughs> because you never know what's going to happen, whether it's snow or rain or sun. or you, you watch the weather. And here, Paul is encouraging Timothy to make sure that he pays close attention to his spiritual life. I want to impact this message, this passage rather, on the free uh, simple heading. Be watchful how you live. Be watchful about what you believe. And then number three, be persistent in watching. And then we'll draw some word of application. Check the time as well. So number one, be watchful how you live. This is a call for self-examination. It means to regularly look at your life and assess it in, the light, in light of the word of God. And, and you can do three things as you assess your life. You can look at your Christian life and, and assess, where did I start? You know, where, where do I start as a believer? You know, you start with somewhere, right? You might start by a basic knowledge of the Word of God or, or ignorance of the Word of God. Um, I remember telling to some of the students, what were you doing 10 years ago? And, and one of our students says, I didn't even know. I had never read the Bible 10 years ago. But now he uh, was a seminary student. Um, where did I start? Um, where am I now? Am I progressing in my work or am I regressing in my work? And then the third thing, the third question is, how can I improve? So three simple questions when you watch over your life. Where did I start? Where am I now? Progress, regress, how can I improve? Um, and we should do that for in as many areas as possible of our lives. Um, and there are a few areas I would like to, I think we need to pay close attention that I want to talk about uh, this evening. Number one, we need to pay close attention to our prayer life. And my question for you this evening, and for myself as well, is how is your prayer life? Paul regularly speaks about prayer in his book, in his letter to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 3 and verse 8 is about prayer. Would you say that your prayer life is regular? Would you say it's irregular, sporadic, non-existent? Would you say that your, prayer, your prayers are repetitive, mechanical, persistent, spirit-filled? Selfish, God-centered, gospel-centered, my will, as we saw this morning, or God's will? How is your prayer life? Paul says, watch your life. Regular, persistent, spirit-filled, Bible-infused prayer is what it means to be watchful. Very often in the New Testament, watchfulness and prayerfulness are connected. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Matthew 26, verse 41, watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In our fight against the devil and his, and his deceit, um, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert, that is watch, and always keep on praying for all the saints. How is your prayer life? We are called uh, to watch over our prayer life that we pray without season. Number two, scripture reading. How is your scripture reading? Is it regular, irregular, sporadic, non-existent? 
In Psalm 1, we read that uh, strength and stability, fruitfulness, comes from meditating on God's law day and night. The one who meditates on God's law is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in season. He leaves, his leaves does not wither. Whatever he or she does prospers. We have to watch how we read the word of God. And uh, when you read uh, the word of God, try to apply the word that you read to your life every single day. Watch your prayer life. Watch your scripture reading. Watch your spiritual walk. Number three, watch your spiritual walk. A self-examination uh, is important in the Christian life. But I would say don't do a global self-examination. You know when we do like, I'm okay. You know, I think I'm doing all right. I'm a good person. I'm a good believer. I go to church. That's like a global, you know, like it's, it's not precise. It's just a general idea of who I am. Or uh, I would say it is better to do a self-examination uh, based on the word of God. The Bible have great passages that give us a list of areas where we ought to grow. Think of Romans 12, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 on love. Um, um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to uh, 23. In Galatians chapter 5, I can just give an example. Negatively, you have in verse 19 to verse, 21, verse 19 to 21, some of the things that we need to uh, put out, like impurity, debauchery, idolatry, discord, jealousy. Those are things that we need to reap out of our lives. But positively, we also have the fruit of the Spirit. And we watch our lives based on the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You take this list and you look at your life. Am I a loving person? Yes. Well, I can be more loving. Well, I'm in between. <laughs> you, you, then you improve on, on being more loving. Am I a patient person? Sometimes. <laughs> uh, well, if you're not a patient person, then you apply yourself to be patient. Uh, one of the things that I notice is when you ask God for something, he does it immediately. If you ask God for patient and you're driving down, you will be caught in traffic. Because you're asking for patient. Or your kids will be uh, the most difficult on that day or something like that. Every time we ask God for something, and we, we are, we're surprised that it follows with difficulties. But that's how God helps us grow. Um, um, and you can go through all the lists. Kindness. Am I a kind person? Do I show goodness? Am I faithful? And you just look at your life and be honest. You say, I'm not a very patient person. But that means I have to improve on this. Watch your life. Watch your walk with God. Um, number four, watch your attitude in service and worship. Ecclesiastes says, watch your step when you enter the house of the Lord. We're here uh, to worship God in spirit and in truth. We are here um, to gather Sunday. Gathering is not just coming to church. It's coming to serve. It's coming to serve one another. We uh, don't come to be served, although we will be served, but we come um, to serve others. We come to build one another up in love. We come to encourage one another. And so before we come to Church, we need to examine, how, what, am I, what attitude do I bring here this evening? What attitude do I bring here this morning? Do I come to serve? Do I come to encourage? There must be someone who needs an encouragement. There must be someone I can pray for. Someone I can build up this morning in God. Watch your life. Watch your attitude in service. And um, finally, in regarding watching our lives, pay attention to 
what you pay attention to. I find that, I find that some, someone who said that. Is, pay attention to the things you pay attention to. Christ says, where our heart is, where our, tre- our, our treasure is, their heart will be also. Sometimes, why am I so interested in this and not in that? So when we pay attention to the things we pay attention to, we have a good idea of how our walk with the Lord is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is just a list of a few things that we can watch over our lives. I could speak about uh, what our motives, our attitude, our speech. Um, if we are married, uh, watch your life as a husband. If you're a wife, watch, watch your life as a wife. Uh, children, uh, single. Um, every stage in our lives, there are things that God requires of us, and we can watch our lives based on those things. Paul told Timothy, pay attention to your life. The proverb says, guard your heart above all, else, above all else, so out of it are the issues of life. We need to pay close attention to our lives. Number two, Paul says, be watchful about your doctrine, about what you believe. Doctrine is a major theme in First and Second Timothy. Uh, we know from Scripture that Satan, Satan's first line of offense is to challenge what we believe by putting the seed of doubt in our head. Adam and Eve were minding their own business in the garden, and Satan came and said, did God really say? That seed of doubt, did God really say? How many times I've heard those questions as a pastor? Do you think the Bible really says this? Is that really what the Bible says? Um, But how many times I've asked myself those questions, particularly when you're tempted to do something? Or not to do something. Did the Bible really say that? Is that what the text says? Maybe I should check the Greek. <laughs> Maybe the Greek says something else than my version. I, I got to check it out again. Because did God really say? And that's what Satan does. If he can put a seed of doubt in the foundation of our faith, he will destroy our faith. And Paul speaks about people who have made a shipwreck of their faith because they didn't watch the doctrine closely. Two doctrines that have been under fire for the last two millenniums are the doctrine of the Word of God and the doctrine of Christ. And they will always be under fire until Christ returns. You destroy the doctrine of the Word of God. You, you break that foundation and you break the faith of a believer. You destroy the doctrine of Christ and His work at the cross and our faith is destroyed. So Satan will always attack those two doctrines. The Word of God and Christ's. Today we have matters of morality, marriage, gender, and so on. But it always comes to, if Satan can put a seed of doubt as to how, what we believe, he will destroy our faith. Watching our doctrine means to make a survey of our beliefs. What do you believe about God, the Word of God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, salvation, the church? Watching our doctrine means to keep studying the Word. We never stop studying the Word. Watching our doctrine means we make sure that what we believe is not tradition. Oftentimes we fall prey to tradition. Christ told the Pharisees, you, 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 you have replaced the word of God with your traditions. Is this practice biblical or is it just what we do? We have to make sure that we also focus on the right doctrine, the right thing. You know, the Bible has many stories, many teachings and, and oftentimes we can fall into um, endless debates about matters that are not essential, not that they're not important, 
Paul speaks about that in First Timothy chapter 1. He says, I urge you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, not to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Those are biblical passages of genealogies in the Old Testament. But they spend hours and hours probably talking about, I'm from this tribe or that tribe. And it, it, it brought them nowhere. Not to devote themselves to myth and just genealogy which promotes speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. Paul says to Timothy, watch your life and watch your doctrine, watch your teaching, watch what you believe. And he puts them side by side. As I said at the beginning, the motto of, of TBS is theological education that transforms. And Paul put those things side by side because they are related. We need to make sure that our doctrine and our practice are in harmony with each other. There's a writer, John Owen, who says, The foundation of true holiness and true Christian worship is the doctrine of the gospel, what we are to believe. So when Christian doctrine is neglected, forsaken, or corrupted, true holiness and worship will also be neglected, forsaken, and corrupted. There is a correlation between how we live and what we believe. One impacts the other. One is evidence of the other. There's another writer who says, moral and doctrinal rectitude are the inseparable twins of the Christian life. Our doctrine affects our way of life. Our way of life sometimes affects our teaching. I remember Dr. Michael Hicken, uh, our, uh, he was, used to be our, our historian, church history teacher, and I remember him saying in one of our classes, make sure that your circumstances do not change your theology. Often, people change their stance on Scripture because they're going through something. And pastorally, when someone starts challenging the Word of God in a particular doctrine, the first question you should ask them is, what are you struggling with? Because often our circumstances will make us review the Scripture, just like Adam and Eve did. They look back at the fruit and say, oh, this looks good. Because they were tempted. Um, so we need to watch over those things closely. And then number three, Paul says, be persistent in watching. Be diligent in these matters. Persevere in them. Give yourself wholly to them. Not only we have to watch our lives and our doctrine, but we need to be persistent in doing that. Because uh, diligence and watchfulness help us grow. There's never a time when in our, li- in our lives where we should feel that we cannot grow more in our Christian faith. That, oh, you know, I've prayed enough. I've read enough scripture. I've read the Bible ten times. That's good enough. No, we've got to read it again. I'm godly enough. No, we've got to keep growing in godliness. That I have enough knowledge. No. Peter says, for this reason, add to your faith. Or supplement your faith with you. And virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly love, and brotherly love with um, brotherly affection, shall be with love. And if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge. They will keep you, sorry, from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter chapter one, verse five to eight. By watching our faith and by persevering it, it will keep us and help us grow. It will also keep us from falling. Keeping watch of our life and our doctrine keep us from falling. Just as we regularly make an inventory of our finances and health, we need to do so for our spiritual life. 
Being financially stable today doesn't mean we will be financially stable tomorrow. Everything can change in a blink of an eye. We have some friends who I was talking to a few, a few weeks ago, and they said their mortgage has doubled in the last couple of months because of the interest rate hike. You know, uh, now they have to be very careful how they spend. Uh, you know, uh, a clean bin of bill of health 10 years ago might not be valid today. <laughs> you never know. Uh, we need to take care of our general health daily and visit a doctor daily because everything can change. And it's the same thing for our spiritual health. We need to watch it constantly. Um, before COVID-19, I, um, I, I used to exercise and stuff like that. And then COVID-19 happened. Everybody was home. And all of a sudden, I realized that my, my clothes are getting too small. Um, and I told my wife, is it a washing machine? I just don't understand why. I think like all my pants, my, everything is shrinking. And she's just laughing and laughing and laughing. <laughs> so why are you laughing? It's like, not the clothes. <laughs> Watch your weight <laughs> and your eating. <laughs> um, it was about, no, it was about watching what we eat. You know, we were home all the time and, you know, and, 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 and so we started exercising again. Got to watch those things. The same thing for our spiritual life. Our spiritual health is the same. We need to keep close watch on our work, on our doctrine, because it's easy to fall. There's a king in the Old Testament, King Uzziah, and some of you might know about him. He was a godly man. At 16, he became, he became king. And the, the Bible says in Second Chronicles chapter 26 that he, was, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord when he began to reign. 16. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But then you move a few chapters later, a few verses later, and it says, But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. So easy for us to be walking with the Lord one moment, and the next were not. That's why Paul is telling Timothy, listen, Timothy, I want you to watch your life and your doctrine. And Paul met Timothy, he was probably around 16 as well. Now Timothy is a mature believer, he's actually the leader in the church, and Paul again and again says, Timothy, it's not because you're a leader, it's not because you're teaching elders that you shouldn't watch over your life. Watch your life, Timothy. Watch your life. Because your circumstances might change, there might be new temptation, there might be new challenges to the gospel. It is repeated over and over again in First and Second Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Follow the pardon of sound word that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hand. For God did not give us a spirit of fear but of power and love. And self-control. Again, he says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Again and again in First and Second Timothy, Paul is encouraging Timothy, watch your life, watch your doctrine, persevere. And Paul himself, as he looks back, as he is ready to meet the Lord, he says, I have fought the good fight. He's still looking at his life. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. We encourage uh, to do that. Let me draw some words of application. Paul says to Timothy, uh, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. And at the end he says, because in doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. By watching our lives and our doctrine, we will save ourselves and those who listen to us. And I think T Timothy was an elder, a leader of the church. But I think Timothy is talking about all of us. 
If you're a believer and you watch your life and your doctrine, you will save yourself. Not salvation from sin, but that means you will persevere. And then others will see you. And they will be encouraged. Our walk can encourage or discourage others. And you look through First and Second Timothy, Paul constantly talks about people whose walk is discouraging. He said, when, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I face um, and the judge, no one was with me. But then he says, send Mark, he's important to me. And he says, greet Aquila and Priscilla. They're doing the work of the Lord. So he has two categories of people. And you can go through First and Second Timothy and look at those who, who have not watched their life and their doctrine and those who have. And Paul is very thankful for them. And we're encouraged to do that. Well, which category do we fit in? Are we of those who watch over our lives or are we of those who do not? You will save your hearers. I cannot tell you, brothers and sisters, how much my faith has been encouraged by just looking at faithful believers, walking with the Lord. That's been such an encouragement to me. Especially when you're down, when you, 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 you're discouraged and you think, you know, God is not with me. And you see someone like broken and beaten and bad and says like, I'm walking with the Lord. <laughs> I am faithful. And you say, wow, I got to do this. Your faith will have a strong impact on those who are watching you. People are watching us. All the time. Unbelievers are watching us. People are watching us in the church. Um, Paul says, if you do that, Timothy, you will save yourself and those who hear you. How do we do that? How do we watch over our life and our doctrine? And how do we um, persevere in these things? Um, Follow good example. I mentioned that already. Um, Being encouraged by others. Follow good examples. Um, Many Mature believers have this in common, these in common. They are completely dependent on the work of Christ, like Paul. Paul was completely dependent on the work of Christ. Yet not I, but for Christ in me. You know that a believer is mature when he always refers back to Christ. Yet not I, but for Christ in me. Mature believers are always completely devoted to the word of God. That is their foundation. That is their stronghold. That is where they go to all the time. Mature believers have a disciplined Christian life. Paul says, I beat my body and make it my slave. Mature believers have a very disciplined Christian life. And mature believers constantly examine themselves. They're completely dependent on the work of Christ. They're devoted to God's word. And I could add to prayer. They live a disciplined Christian life. And they're constantly examining themselves one such example is i was talking to a brother this morning and we were talking about our common love for the puritans i i quoted john owen i'm gonna quote um jonathan edwards uh jonathan edwards as a teenager um he set down a paper to write um some thoughts and things that he wanted to do to watch his life and it was based on second peter chapter 3 verse 18 that says but grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord jesus christ and what he did, he made a list of 70 items that he would read weekly, sometimes daily, monthly, yearly, to examine his life. I'm not going to read the whole 70. <laughs> you can go online. Um, but, but you can build your own as well. But, and here are some of the things that he, he wrote in uh, to self-examine himself. He said, Resolved never to do anything which I would be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Resolve never to do anything which I would be afraid to do 
if it were the last hour of my life? You know, if judgment day is coming, would you be doing what you're doing? Resolve not to do that. So he basically wanted to live as if the next minute he was going to die and he would be ready to meet his maker, not to be ashamed. Resolve never to do anything which I would be afraid to do if I expected it would not be above an hour before I would hear the last trump. Again, he connected everything that he does in light of the second coming of Christ. So that he must be, Christ says, watch and pray. You never know when he's coming back. So I want to make sure that I'm ready for the second coming of Christ. Like this one, number 28, he says, Resolve to study the scriptures so steadily, constantly, and frequently as that I may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. Resolve to inquire, inquire every night as I am going to bed, wherein I have been negligent, what sin I have committed, and wherein I have denied myself, also at the end of every week, month, and year. There's another one. Resolve to endeavor to my utmost to deny whatever is not, is not most agreeable and good and universally sweet and benevolent, quiet, peaceable, contented, easy, um, compassionate, generous, humble, meek, modest, submissive, obliging, diligent, and industrious, charitable, even patient, moderate, forgiving, sincere temper, and to do at all time what such a temper would lead me to examine strictly every week where they have done so. See, he's making a list of things, areas in his life where he wants to grow. So make your own resolution. Make your 70. You can base it on the fruit of the Spirit or Romans 12. Um, or you can do a simple one. Um, based on Romans 12. Surrender your mind, your eyes, your words, your attitude, your desire, your motives, your affection, and your body to the Lord. Just daily. Just look at those things. How have I used my mind today? How have I used my eyes today? My words, my attitude, my desires, my motives, my affection, my body. And then number three, and finally, trust God to help you. Trust God to help you. There's a writer who says that Jonathan Edwards, aware that I, he says, aware that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do pray that by His grace, He will enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are in line with His will and that they will honor Christ. We need God to help us watch over our lives. And you know what? While we're watching over our lives, God is also doing the same. The Bible says, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going out both now and forevermore. The one who watches over our lives is our fortress and he's inviting us to watch over our lives while he himself um, is doing the same. So my encouragement for us this evening is, starting this evening, if you haven't been doing that, please keep a close watch over your life and keep a close watch over what you believe. Amen. We're going to sing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God.